Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Got some really good news for a handful of former dogs. We will give that to you here coming up in just a moment, something I am very proud to be a part of. We'll tell you all about that here. We'll also hear from Kirby Smart in just a few minutes there as well on kind of the ongoing I guess investigation what the future of the SEC looks like as it expands its conference slate as by bringing in Texas and Oklahoma and as the college ball playoff gets ready to expand there as well. There's a lot that needs to be learned about all of this and Kirby Smart kind of laid some of that out recently so we'll hear that here coming up in just a little bit. Prior to that many of you know we are set for another major series of official visits for Georgia this upcoming weekend. We were told for a long time that June was going to be busy. June is here and it has been very busy. Obviously last weekend Georgia entertained a bunch of guys that produced at least so far one very big time commitment we talked about that with Justin Green a little earlier this week and now you're left to see well what's next on all of this and I think the word that's going to kind of dominate the weekend is the idea of clarity I think at the end of this weekend George's going to have some unmissable clarity as it relates to some major targets for this 2024 class and to be completely honest here and I don't mean to be a wet blanket on a Friday because I like being in a good mood every day but especially to close out the week but you know sometimes honesty compels you to admit that for at least a handful small handful of the top level five-star type prospects who are visiting Georgia this weekend it is not necessarily obvious that Georgia is in the best position for them. Now, the reason why we kind of set the stage for that this way here today is because obviously when you get a chance to entertain these guys on your campus for this upcoming weekend, you have a chance for that to change. But if it doesn't change, that doesn't mean that all is necessarily lost. It just means that you now have better clarity about who you do need to pursue here for this class and who you do need to focus on to make sure you finish this 2024 cycle as strong as you possibly can. Let me start with this. One of the things that makes this weekend interesting for Georgia is a couple of guys out of Buford High School. Buford, one of the most well-known programs in the entire country. Uh, you know, this is a program that's sort of risen to prominence here in the state of Georgia. Uh, did not win the state championship last year, maybe in somewhat surprising fashion, but they have been near the top of Georgia high school football for quite some time, now playing in the top classification in the state of Georgia. And they have an entire roster filled with, it would seem, future college stars. But two of the guys, rising seniors who are getting the most attention, are both expected to be at Georgia this weekend. I'm talking about K.J. Bolden, who for Buford does it on both sides of the ball. In college, probably a defensive back. And Edric Houston as well, terrific defensive lineman who kind of, in some respects, sort of reminds you of what you know maybe Trayvon Walker once was for Georgia. Well, Jeff talked on Before the Hedges, our buddy Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation recruiting insider. Jeff talked this past week on his show, Before the Hedges, presented by Kroger, about the nature of both K.J. Bolden and Edric Houston coming to Georgia here this weekend and the way in which Jeff sort of set the stage for their visits. I like this because if you think about the historic nature of what the 2024 class could be, maybe some of this does hinge on a guy like Bolden or a guy like Houston. This is what Jeff Sintel, who typically joins us on Friday, but this week he actually joined us on Wednesday. This is what Jeff Sintel said about the Houston and the Bolden official visits, the two Buford stars coming to Athens this weekend. Let's go back to Jeff Sintel from Wednesday. 
the Buford boys, which will help set the tone for whether Georgia has the all-time best class in the history of the 24-7 sports team composite rankings. You got K.J. Bolden, major visit for here to Georgia. I think it's his 15th. He just saw Clemson. I still think Georgia, Ohio State are the teams to watch there. So I think that's really interesting how Jeff says that, that the Bolden visit, the Houston visit, are going to set the tone for the weekend. And if somehow you could win with both those guys, then really maybe you are in play to have the greatest recruiting class of all time. That's some of the language that was used in the immediate aftermath of uh, Dylan Riola committing uh, to Georgia, the nation's number one prospect a couple of weeks ago, that, that there was real history potentially at stake for Georgia with the rest of this recruiting cycle. With guys like Bolden and Houston who would stand to be instrumental if that's actually going to happen. Many of you are aware, though, that it would seem right now Georgia's placement in K.J. Bolden's pecking order is probably a lot higher right now than it is with Edrick Houston. This is just one of those deals where honesty sort of compels you to admit that right now it seems likely that Edrick Houston is destined to land elsewhere other than UGA. So if that doesn't change after this weekend, and very well may not. Now, maybe it does, but that if that doesn't change, then if you want to win with one of the state's top players this year, it sort of ends up feeling like K.J. Bolden's your best chance of doing that. After all, Sammy Brown committed to Clemson earlier this week. We certainly know that. Uh, we talked you know, about a guy like Edrick Houston, another one of those sort of top-level players who may be going elsewhere that – that if you want one of those big time, you know, Gwinnett County, five star guys, Buford type guys, the types of uh, recruits, oftentimes it sort of feels like Georgia fans would say end up just sort of going elsewhere. That if you want to change that narrative, this weekend could prove that KJ Bolden is maybe your best chance of doing that. Now, Bolden just took an official visit to Clemson this past weekend. You heard Jeff kind of talk about Ohio State there. There's a family connection for Bolden at Ohio State. So it is certainly not a done deal necessarily for Georgia and Bolden. Even with the official visit on tap this weekend but that is a guy that Georgia has a real chance to win with and in terms of the overall tone of this conversation about establishing some clarity it could become pretty clear pretty quickly that the best sort of in-state five-star that Georgia has a chance to really win with may end up being Bolden well what about another guy on you know kind of just down the road a little bit there at Parkview what about Mike Matthews the five-star receiver uh, a guy who's also taking his official visit to Georgia here this weekend how about that where do things stand this is another one of those situations where you have to just sort of call balls and strikes on this and talk about where this is right now Georgia it would seem has a lot of ground to make up with uh, with Matthews as he gets ready to take his visit this weekend Jeff Sintel's words once again from before the hedges presented by Kroger on Wednesday seemingly stand as proof of that this is what Jeff said about Mike Matthews going back to Wednesday Mike Matthews terrific football player going to be an all SEC all-american wide receiver I don't know how well positioned Georgia is right now for Mike Matthews going into that uh, official visit when I mean well positioned I don't think Georgia is the team to beat or is even the 1A 1B team to beat right there I think Clemson, who he just took an official visit with, is big. I think Tennessee is big. I think a lot of schools are going to catch the attention of Mike Matthews. So that is not necessarily good news, but it is certainly useful information that if the needle really moves for Mike Matthews this week, or Edrick Houston, as we mentioned a moment ago, the five-star defensive end from Buford, then you will know, based on the way that Jeff leads into those discussions here, you will know just how impressive – 
a feat of strength that proved to be for Georgia's recruiting efforts. If it changes the narrative for Mike Matthews this week, Georgia's really done something. If it were to change the, the narrative for Edric Houston based on what happens with his visit this weekend, that certainly seems that Georgia's really done something. But if that doesn't happen, as I said before, all is not lost. It doesn't become necessarily a huge negative of the program. It just becomes more of, to use the phrase that Jeff used a little bit earlier, a little bit of a tone setter for, well, that just means other recruitments become more important. For those Georgia fans, and I'll admit I'm somewhat in this camp, those Georgia fans who really, really want Georgia to finally win with one of those big-time Gwinnett County guys, obviously Justin Green earlier this week, is from Lawrenceville. That is in Gwinnett County. But if you want that Buford-type guy, that five-star type guy from Buford after last year, guys like Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes got away, well, K.J. Bolden may stand as your best chance to do that, and we certainly hope it goes well with the dogs and Bolden here this weekend. And once again, I have to admit that this is true, that if you're one of those guys that really wants Georgia – to get the five-star wide receiver to pair with the five-star quarterback. And listen, I'll admit this. I kind of want that to be true. I think it's possible to sometimes be disappointed even with a program that recruits at, at the level that Georgia does. Clearly, this is an elite recruiting program. As we've talked about this week, the proof is in the pudding. The numbers indicate it. Few are better at bringing in elite prospects than what Georgia has been. And clearly, the talent that Georgia's bringing in has been the recipe to two straight national championships. And yet, nonetheless, still would love to see Georgia win with that five-star wide receiver to go along with the five-star quarterback. Well, if things remain unchanged with Georgia and Matthews this week, then maybe all the more attention will get paid to a guy like Ryan Wingo, who took his visit this past weekend. All indications are that went really well, and that maybe becomes your best chance of getting the five-star wide receiver here for this class. Jeremiah Smith, the chatter coming out of Columbus, Ohio, continues to be that he's likely to remain committed to Ohio State. Uh, you know, Smith himself has said that. Other national analysts that follow recruiting have kind of stepped up to say that themselves too. So once again, clarity could be established here this weekend. You want the big five-star Buford guy? Maybe that's K.J. Bolden unless something changes because of this official visit. You want the five-star uh, wide receiver? Maybe the best chance of that is Ryan Wingo unless something changes this weekend with the official visits that are set to take place. That once we're done with the next couple of days here for UGA recruiting, I think we could have a lot more sense of who the real five-star targets are that Georgia has the best chance to win with. And if we see some amazing ground made up because of what happens on campus the next couple of days, then we will know that Georgia's really pulled off an impressive feat of recruiting strength. So stay close to Dog Nation for that over the course of the weekend. Let me shift gears and do something else here for a moment. Speaking of high school football, uh, which we were just kind of talking about a little bit with some of those elite recruits, Roots. One of the things I love because of my relationship with high school football, very proud to do games uh, every Friday night with our friends at Score Atlanta on Peachtree TV. And because of that, I've been invited to be on the board for the college, or I should say the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. We had our first inaugural class a year ago, and it was one of the most proud moments for me in terms of being involved with the sport of football to be there last October at the at the College Football Hall of Fame is where we held the ceremony for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Getting a chance to meet so many guys who had meant so much to this state when it comes to high school football. I don't think that our inaugural class could have gone any better. And I don't think we could have done a better job of kind of laying the foundation and the groundwork for what the future of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame is going to be. Well, guess what? We are now again ready to announce our second class for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. We've been deliberating and voting on this over the course of the last month or so. And one of the things I will tell you is, is I have taken this as about as seriously as I've ever taken anything, really trying to study up on guys whose careers took place well before I was born. Because if you're going to have a Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame, 
then you've got to really be able to honor the entire history of Georgia high school football. Obviously, a lot of that are players that I can remember and saw play in person, maybe. But in some cases, you're going back to the 1950s, and the 1960s. And these are guys that, you know, obviously played well before I was born. And in some cases, you have to dig a little bit deep to kind of understand what made them great and special in the era in which they played. And it's been really fun for me to learn a lot about the sport, maybe uh, an era that I wouldn't have otherwise known a ton about. But then also, okay, you can't put everybody in because there's simply not room. So make the best choices, to make the best decisions for who should be in the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. We worked very hard to do that. I'm very proud of the class that we have voted on. And one of the things that I think makes it relevant for all of you here on Dog Nation Daily is the fact that so many of these guys, once again, as you might imagine, have a great UGA tie. So without further ado, I want to run through some of the names here. A part of the second class for the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. You will recognize many of these. How about Mike Bobo after his great career in Thomasville? He will be in the Hall of Fame. Reggie Brown as well. Quincy Carter from Southwest DeKalb. He will be going in. Rennie Curran will be going in there as well. Ray Donaldson, a former Georgia guy. Randall Godfrey from Lowndes, uh, a part of some great Georgia teams in the early 90s. He is going into the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Godfrey's college coach, Ray Goff, going back to his time there at Moultrie. He is going into the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Charles Grant, who yeah, obviously you remember him as an athletic specimen at Georgia. You go back and look at what his uh, high school career was like there in Miller County. Certainly very deserving of all of this on his way to the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Bill Hartman, uh, Billy Henderson, Keith Henderson there in Cartersville. That was a guy that I really felt like deserved his uh, Hall of Fame consideration, and he's on his way there as well. Charles Johnson, former dog. Jarvis Jones, former dog. He is going in. Uh, I'm a Gainesville guy. I didn't go to Gainesville High School, but I'm from Hall County, so happy to see Billy the Kid Lothridge on his way to the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Adam Meadows, former dog. He is going there as well. And then you get on down there, you see DJ Shockley going into the Georgia high school football hall of fame and how about this so proud to say this uh john stinchcomb our great uh colleague here who joins us on dog nation daily every single week hopefully john has been made aware of this by now if not maybe you'll hear me saying it here uh for the first time but john stinchcomb because of a great career there at parkview will be a part of the second ever class of the georgia high school football hall of fame john's brother matt uh went in last year in the inaugural class and now john gets the nod here for the second class john stinchcomb our great friend and colleague on his way to the georgia high school football hall of fame i am so proud of that i'll also mention marcus stroud uh, scott werner there as well a lot of former dogs on their way to the georgia high school football hall of fame what a great uh, class this is going to be so happy for john stinchcomb there on that i'll talk later on the show about some of the other guys that have other sec ties but and by the way, thank you to Michael Carvel for putting that graphic together. Uh, terrific, terrific class. John Stinch come a part of it. Very, very happy for that. So fun way to do that on a Friday to kind of look ahead at what we're going to be doing this fall, inducting another class into the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Stay tuned for uh, details about that particular weekend, about what's going to happen there at the College Football Hall of Fame and a great doubleheader pairing of games we're going to have leading into that weekend uh there on peachtree tv there as well so a lot of fun later on this fall can't wait to tell you all about more on that but uh, congratulations to the folks in the second class for the georgia high school football hall of fame my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by kroger 
and glad to have you with us. You join us at 945 for our first and 15 on the Dog Nation homepage, the Dog Nation app. We certainly appreciate that. How about 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of those great video platforms, a chance for you to join our show. Radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. We love being on the radio with our friends in the Classic City and as a podcast. Apple, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. Uh, whichever one you choose to use just thank you so much for being a part of our show here today and a big thanks to our friends at kroger for making it all possible there as well you know we're in the summertime of the year we are in grilling season here right now and as you're getting ready to do all kinds of great grilling stuff kroger's got you covered on all of that for the outdoor cookouts you want to you know doing some barbecue type stuff whatever you got going on you can get your grill with all the essentials including the hot dogs the ribs the steaks so much more but doesn't that sound good on a grill here this weekend kroger's got you covered on all that plus all the fun side dishes decorations as well heading towards the fourth of july after all father's day coming up here too get all of that with our friends at kroger so stop by and see them in store or start your shopping experience here at kroger.com also in a few minutes when our guest today who is former george quarterback jake Fromm, normally it's jeff centel on a friday jeff actually joined us wednesday this week to kind of follow up on the commit that georgia had gotten earlier in the week so jeff was a little earlier this week check that show out if you haven't yet but when former georgia quarterback jake Fromm joins us here in a minute i will also tell you more speaking of kroger and grilling the great contest we have ongoing right now with our friends at kroger and traeger grills we'll tell you more about this coming up in a moment when jake Fromm joins us here so stay tuned for more details on that prior to that what do you say we go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at the finish long drink speaking of things that are great this time of year in the summer y'all know how much i love the finish long drink when i'm outside enjoying all the summertime stuff golf pool everything else the finish long drink goes great with that and it goes great with around the doghouse here for a moment there as well so let's talk about some of the big news that came out about a week or so ago with the announcement that for now the sec is going to stick with an eight game conference schedule for the 2024 season we'll actually find out who georgia's eight conference opponents are going to be next week but part of the reason the sec did this is because for now that's all they could get agreement on there was some thought that the league might move to a nine game conference slate the sec for one year chose to stay at eight and i think that the best explanation for maybe at least on paper why the sec is choosing to do this probably came from alabama athletic director greg byrne who said right now he doesn't feel like that Alabama has enough information about how the 12-team playoff, which also begins in 2024, how that's going to operate in terms of knowing whether or not it's a good idea for the SEC to move to the nine-game conference schedule. Because just sort of baseline understanding of this is that if you add one more conference game for every team that's nine more losses spread across the sec and the assumption that we have is well in a 12-team playoff you'll have three sec teams in the playoff each and every year well maybe that's the case but i think it's important to know that for everything the college ball playoff selection committee has always said about we value tough schedules we value you know you know uh basically who you play we're different than the polls you know for all the lip service they've given to stuff like that over the years the truth is what the college football playoff selection committee has consistently done and this is perhaps the only thing in which the cfp committee has consistently operated the only consistent behavior they've ever really had is they really hate losses that once you've got losses you just get moved into a lesser category below the teams that have fewer 
losses that, that they value zeros and ones in the loss column and anything beyond that just gets you into a lesser consideration and that while among equals teams that are undefeated or teams that have one loss the team that plays the tougher schedule oftentimes wins out what the committee has never really shown you much of a willingness to do is to say like say george in 2018 for instance that this team may have two losses but they're a better team who's played a tougher schedule earned better wins than the team with zero or one losses the cfp committee has just never done that they operate in a very traditional college football mechanism from that standpoint they just look for pretty numbers in the loss column they look for teams that have lost none or teams that have lost one and teams that have lost twice but maybe played better schedules earned better wins thus far teams like that have not earned a lot of favorable consideration in the college football playoff selection committee so from that standpoint what greg Byrne, the alabama athletic director recently said i think that's probably worth your attention a bit and it kind of dovetails into something else that kirby smart also talked about there as well when he was in destin florida for the sec spring meetings he brought up the idea of you run the risk of devaluing the sec championship game depending on how the loser of that championship game is treated and a media member had a chance to kind of follow up with smart on that of you know are you really concerned that 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 the sec championship game might sort of lose some of its value lose some of its worth and then an expanded playoff a team that qualifies for the sec championship that maybe seems on the verge of 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 playoff consideration earning a playoff berth could actually be knocked out of the playoff because of an appearance in the sec championship game and therefore it might actually be better not to play in the sec championship kirby smart had some interesting things to say about that let's go back to about this time a week ago when kirby was talking here is kirby on that very subject if that happened in that scenario you said then probably so but i don't know that that would happen i I, I, used to used to be everybody thought you got penalized for what bowl game you got sent to when you lost the sec championship game they put a thing in place to say okay if you lose the championship you can't fall further than this i would think um that we would have a system set up that if you made that and we're not talking about divisions now because divisions were different you could have two really strong teams over here and one okay team over here and they play each other that happened some uh, I know when I was in Alabama at the West, you know, there, there were teams in the West that were sometimes better than the, the team that won the East. That's not going to be the case. So the two teams that go, you would like to think, I'm looking at it more as a competitive disadvantage of you might have to play one week or two weeks later after just playing that game, which will be the most physical game you play all year. I think that's really wise for Kirby Smart to say that, hey, you know, ultimately, even if you do make the playoff, there's going to be a challenge associated with having to play that extra game. So you better hope the teams that make the college football playoff are rewarded for having the kinds of regular seasons that would actually get them into the SEC championship. I think those are wise words from Kirby Smart. I'm also going to say two more things in addition to this there as well. That when you look at what college football, the direction that it's moving in, and virtually everyone's eliminated divisions, the Pac-12 kind of already done that. Big 12 has never really quite quite had those divisions because it's smaller conference overall at least it has been up until now the big 10 gave you a new scheduling format yesterday they're also eliminating divisions the sec are going to be doing that there as well then in one respect it sort of seems like the sec championship is obviously going to get better moving forward you're going to have probably a better game consistently year to year than you otherwise might have where sometimes you have great team that won one division and a somewhat mediocre team that won another in the 90s for instance the sec east was almost always way better than the west so you'd have a national championship level team kind of coming out of the sec east and sometimes it sort of seemed like you had sort of an also ran team coming out of the sec west well then a few years later that balance completely flipped and the sec west for a good number of years has been just better than the sec east you know georgia's been a national championship level team coming out of the east but teams like tennessee and florida have struggled to keep up so in years in which maybe georgia 
matchup wasn't quite so good prior to Kirby Smart. You had a lot of years in which the SEC East winner just did not look on par with the SEC West winner. So moving forward, knowing you're going to take the two teams with the very best record to play in the SEC Championship, that's going to make for a more competitive, more balanced SEC Championship moving year to year. That would seem to be obviously better in the eyes of most. But here is one way in which I think the future of the SEC championship game is going to be a little bit more negative. And I'm not saying this is a reason not to do it, but I do believe this is something you're going to notice. I think it's going to be very confusing as to who's actually going to play in the SEC championship. We actually have some evidence of just how true this is based on Big 12, Pac-12 here this year. I'm kind of a college football obsessive. I watch college football very, very closely, try to follow everything that goes on with the sport very closely, not just for my job, but for my, I guess, probably number one pastime and hobby there as well. I love college football. And as someone who loved and devoured as much of college football as I could possibly could, there were a lot of times this year when I was looking at the situation in the Pac-12 or the situation in the Big 12, and I was saying, gosh, I have no idea who's going to play in this championship game here coming up because when you're basing it on records and then that kind of leads to a lot of tiebreakers, a lot of that gets very confusing. So I think one of the negative drawbacks to the future of the SEC championship is going to be is that when so-and-so has got the same record as so-and-so and you have to start moving on some of the tiebreaker stuff, get ready for a lot more confusing landscape of exactly who is on the verge of qualifying for the SEC championship in comparison to, well, Georgia's won the East, they're definitely in. Alabama, LSU, whoever's won the West, they're definitely in. We're going to have a lot less clarity about who's playing in the SEC championship because of the fact that the best records inviting in tiebreakers, a lot of those tiebreakers become very, very, you know, very very sort of microscopic comparisons in some respects as i said before that's not necessarily a reason not to do it i don't believe but be ready for that when it happens and all the other stuff that kirby kind of says there about hey you know the phrase he used was i would like to think that blah 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 is going to happen but until you see it play out you don't necessarily know which kind of brings you back to what greg burns said it's like hey we'd like to have some more information about how this 12-team playoff in 2024 is going to exactly operate before we make a long-term commitment for the SEC, maybe expanding to a nine-game conference schedule. I think that's just wise, and I think the SEC gets its chance to do that. Now, one more point here, and then we'll uh, hear from Jake Fromm coming up in a moment. And actually, Jake's going to talk to us some about this subject before our conversation with him ends. But there are a lot of people who kind of looked at the way the SEC operated last week, thinking it might go to nine, choosing to stay at eight, And as I've told you many times before, I think a lot of this is sort of posturing in the hope they get more money from ESPN. Right now, at least publicly, ESPN is not showing any willingness to budge on this whatsoever. And I've heard a lot of media types sort of say, well, listen, maybe the SEC needs to kind of come to grips. They want they want to go to nine. The commissioner wants to go to nine. They're clearly a handful of uh, programs in the league that want to go to nine, including Georgia. We're led to believe that Texas and Oklahoma, once they become full-fledged members, they want to have a nine-game conference schedule. The SEC just needs to do what it wants to do, whether ESPN ponies up or not. Maybe eventually that's what the SEC will have to do. But here's the thing you got to understand. Every negotiation in any area of life is always won by the party that wants the outcome the least. So if the SEC... <laughs> were to make it be known that they really want the nine-game conference schedule, they just hope ESPN will pay them for it. Well, guess what? That's a recipe for losing any negotiation you're ever in. Buying a new car, buying a house, whatever else. The party that wants the outcome the most always loses the negotiation. That's just the way life works. So for the people who are kind of saying that, well, the SEC really wants to do this, they just need to do it whether ESPN pays them or not. That's a good way to ensure that you don't get any extra money from ESPN. So 
posturing as if as the SEC doesn't want the nine is a negotiation tactic. And I think in life, especially in college football right now, when it's been unmasked as obviously a business, doing what makes the most business sense for you is not only the SEC's right, it very well may be the SEC's obligation, given the kind of arms race, financially speaking, it's in with the Big Ten. So I think the SEC right now, everything that it has done so far has made complete sense to me. And I say that as someone who hopes eventually the SEC does go to a nine-game conference late. I want permanent rivalries for Georgia. I want better conference games overall. The nine-game conference slate provides that. But I'll continue to say, to me, the ball is in ESPN's court to do the right thing here and make the SEC whole as uh, it is an absolutely a knockdown dragout in the money race with the Big Ten right now. The, the ball is in ESPN's court to do the right thing, and over the course of the next year, we'll see if they step up and do that. We'll also say that is Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And big weekend coming up. Hope you have big summer plans here, too, this weekend playing a little golf maybe going to the pool maybe going fishing at the lake whatever you got going on a cooler full of the finished long drink just makes it so much better and i love when you have that you know especially these nice coolers that exist today that keep things really really cold and keep that ice from melting when you reach down there and you kind of pull that finished long drink can out of that ice i love the way the condensation just sort of drips off of it and i love the way that it tastes it's just a great summertime drink whether it's the long drink cranberry which pretty much everybody in my neighborhood has sort of stepped up and said they love uh, if you like the long drink strong that's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume uh that's going great the black can with anything you got going on long drink zero maybe you want to look good in your bathing suit or something like that well listen that's a good way to do that no carbs no sugar of course long drink traditional this is my favorite i just like the classic flavor the grapefruit the gin kick i like all of that you know it comes in a can but it's not a beer it's a ready to drink cocktail so if you like mixed drinks this is a mixed drink you don't have to mix yourself it's already mixed for you so just pop the top drink it out of the can pour it into a glass whatever you want to do it's going to be great for everything you got going on check out the finish long drink online at the longdrink.com if you put in your zip code you can find out where you can pick some up today uh, that is the finish long drink we appreciate them bringing around the doghouse to us here today all right before we are done there was a pretty big announcement that happened in college sports yesterday that has i think a pretty big impact on how a lot of this stuff is going to play out in the future with all of the change still yet to come with college sports we'll tell you what that is and what that means maybe particularly for george we'll do that here in a little bit but on friday special guest appearance for us it's a kroger fresh take we call it it's jake from the former georgia quarterback before jake's done he'll kind of weigh in on some of what we just talked about there with the uh, sec scheduling change kind of what that means for the future of the conference but prior to that whole lot of fun including a subject we talked about earlier this week of Georgia's success with getting a lot out of players that weren't necessarily as highly rated recruits as maybe some other players were. How does Georgia do that? Well, Jake Fromm's been on this Georgia roster. He's seen it firsthand. He'll tell us about that and so much more as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. And here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger, happy to have our Kroger Fresh Take and bring on uh, Jake Fromm here. Always a fun conversation. Jake, I know you're busy. got a lot of football work going on right now. So uh, thanks for making time with us and uh, hope all of that continues to go well for you. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Absolutely. Uh, glad to be here, man. I want to talk to you about this, if you don't mind, because it's a subject that came up on the show a little earlier. You know, when you guys came in in 2017, obviously you were a big-time recruit. You had a lot of big-time recruits in that class. 
But if you've looked at some of the success that Kirby Smart has had since then, you know, obviously a lot of the best players have been elite recruits, much like you were. But you've also got, you know, Jordan Davis, who was a three star and Javon Bullard, who was a three star and Vlad McConkey, who was, you know, not heavily recruited. You know, Stetson Bennett may be the best example of that at all uh, overall. And I, I guess I'm kind of curious, is there something that you saw while you were at Georgia that kind of gave you a little bit of insight into how it was that Georgia has been so good at cultivating, in some cases, star players out of guys that were not necessarily elite recruits coming out of high school? Yeah, so that's a, it's a little bit of a combination of both. It kind of starts with recruiting, uh, what the coaches are looking for uh, in certain players when they start you know, going out on their trips and recruiting guys and who they're giving offers to. You know, they want to see potential in these guys. Um, and knowing like what they can do as a coaching staff to help develop these guys, you know, when they, when you're able, you know, at the University of Georgia to be able to give these guys the world, uh, the way that we do meals, uh, you know, the strength program with Coach Sinclair, um, and then obviously to the coaching and then Coach Smart, you know, being involved with it. Um, I mean, it just it really shows kind of over the years of the development of these guys and what they've been able to do uh, with certain guys. One of the things that Kirby's kind of talked about is I want to try to find that guy that hates to lose. And obviously you grew up, you know, we all know your story, high school, even before that. Like how much do you think that really is recognizable in a young athlete, in a high school athlete, in a guy on his way to Georgia, that that appetite for winning and that distaste for losing? Do you feel like you can kind of notice that in some players maybe more so than others? And is that the kind of thing that coaches really can successfully seek out when it comes to some of the recruiting stuff that goes on? Oh, yeah, that's huge. Uh, and and I think it's easy for uh, Coach Smart because he hates losing more than anybody else that I know, you know, maybe besides myself. I mean, he, like, he, that's something that he can definitely see uh, in a young kid and a young man. So um, that's definitely something he's looking for. Um, and he's going to do everything he can to kind of weed out those who, who don't love to win um, and those who, you know, are okay with losing. So he, he wants guys who are just. I can't stand it or fed up with it and really have a competitive edge. I mentioned your 2017 recruiting class a minute ago. I'm curious, you know, how much did you guys at the time talk? I know there was a, a lot of communication that went on, and obviously you were kind of one of the big leaders of that class on the way to Georgia. Like, how much energy existed around that time for you guys, knowing that you had a chance to kind of come in a historic recruiting class, as good as the program had ever had, with a real chance to kind of, you know, give Kirby uh, a chance to have his first big team, his first successful season. Maybe we didn't know it was going to turn into the college football playoff right there in your freshman season, but you guys obviously knew you had a chance to really kind of change the the history of this program. How much of that were you guys aware of even before you arrived on campus and kind of even before you got that first year going? Yeah, that was a fun time uh, for me, um, you know, and me and Richie kind of uh, did a lot kind of throughout that time because, you know, we're both from the state of Georgia, love Georgia, um, and we really wanted to do, spe- do something special with our time uh, that we had. So we knew we had to uh, do everything we could to help and, and get some of these guys there to really create uh, a really good football team. So we were trying to, you know, create, you know, relationships with guys and really try to pull guys in and and get guys to buy what we were selling as far as, you know, changing a culture uh, and changing a program, um, anything we could to help give ourselves a competitive advantage uh, going into our, you know, four years there um, to, to win some football games. I imagine if you'd been there in Pasadena playing Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl January 1st of 2018 – I had come from the future. I told you there at that moment, the next time Georgia and Oklahoma play each other, it's going to be with Oklahoma as a member of the SEC. How weird would that have been for you to hear that if somebody could have predicted the future for you way back then? 
Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been nuts. And I said, ah, probably not. Uh, but man, look where we're at now. Uh, that's going to be a crazy time. The SEC coming up, um, and you know how they figure all these things out. And uh, I think it's going to be really cool for uh, the guys who are on the the East Coast or who are in the East Division to be able to go out west and get to play at some of these venues. Well, I want to talk to you more about that here in a moment. Let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And don't forget, courtesy of our friends at Kroger and Traeger Grills, we've got a great giveaway going for you here this summer. We call it Celebrate American Heroes. And when you go to dognation.com, you upload a photo or a short video, tell the story of an American hero in your life, someone who's kind of going above and beyond, one of those average, everyday American heroes working to make our communities better. Maybe someone from your past who uh, stepped up when you really needed some help and provided that for you. By telling their story, you could be a winner courtesy of Traeger Grill. Someone's going to win an Ironwood XL Grill, a fabulous prize, and someone's also going to win a $500 gift card courtesy of Kroger there as well. So you have between now and June 17th to get your submission in. Someone who tells a great story there at dognation.com is going to be selected at random to be our winner. So go to dognation.com, find out more about that, send in a video, send in a uh, a photograph, and courtesy of Traeger Grills and Kroger, uh, you could be a, a big winner here as we celebrate American Heroes heading towards the 4th of July. So, uh, Jake, to kind of go back to that a moment ago, you know, last week that was one of the big stories that came out was the fact that for now in 2024, the SEC is going to stick with an eight-game conference schedule. That's the same number of conference games the league has been playing. Not really enough agreement yet to move to the nine-game slate. I know I think you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but do you have an opinion on, hey, if it's eight games, maybe maybe you can play more, you know, Power Five non-conference opponents. If If it's nine games, maybe you have a chance to preserve some of those historic rivalries and also have a chance to kind of travel around the league a little bit. You know, as, as someone who still cares a lot about the SEC, do you have much of an opinion on the eight-game slate, the nine-game slate? You know, have you been able to follow that very much? Yeah, I mean, my personal opinion is, uh, you know, I, I could see it, you know, being uh, a tougher situation maybe, you know, for coaching staff playing more competitive football games. Um, but being outside of it and being a fan, like, I want to see more competitive football games. You can't get a more competitive football game than guys playing in the SEC or getting an SEC matchup. So I like being able to preserve, preserve a little bit of the rivalries that we do have uh, and then giving yourself that opportunity to, you know, pop out west and get you know, play at a place like Texas or Oklahoma or an A&M, you know, for that matter. So uh, personally, maybe I'd like to see a nine-game schedule, um, but that's just me. Yeah, I think the sense that I get, obviously, if you're Georgia, you know, you've been beating up on the SEC East now for quite some time. So in a new SEC world, more balance probably means a little bit of a tougher schedule. But Jake, I don't get the impression that anybody at Georgia is going to mind that necessarily. Kirby's shown a pretty aggressive, you know, tactic to kind of go out there and try to schedule as many big time non-conference games as he can. I think they like the idea of challenging themselves in the regular season, makes you maybe more ready for the postseason, maybe. So I don't get the impression that anybody at Georgia is going to shy away from what's likely to become a slightly more competitive regular season slate once some of these new SEC games are kind of sprinkled in. Yeah, I don't see that either. You know, you know, right now, uh, Kirby's a very, a very competitive coach. He's going to want to go out and play really good football games, get those guys prepared, and uh, really assert dominance really, really early in the season and uh, throughout the season. So, uh, I mean, that'd be something I'd love to see. 
I also will finish with this. Uh, somebody told me this the other day. I hadn't really considered this. So, you know, in the future, this is the last year of divisions. This is the last year of the SECs and the SEC West. Starting in 2024 and moving on forward, the SEC championship is going to be the two best teams, the teams with the two best records in the SEC. So there's some time in the future if Florida will get better. Uh, obviously, this is going to require this. But there's a time in the future that Georgia and Florida could actually play in the SEC championship game, something that was obviously impossible in the past because both teams were in the same division. But if Florida could ever find a way to improve and get to be a little bit better of a football team they'd actually have a chance to actually meet georgia in an sec championship on the base of the new format which would obviously be one of those things that'd be kind of weird to get used to but also i think incredibly fun there as well yeah i think you, you said it the best i mean be kind of weird getting used to but i think that would be really really fun to see and then uh have the opportunity to actually play them uh you know maybe at, at you know quote unquote your place or, or your home state so uh that'd be pretty fun as well well, Jake, speaking of fun, it's always fun to talk to you here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Thanks for making time for us. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, hope that you continue to enjoy your summer and obviously doing a lot of great work, getting ready for the upcoming football season. We continue to wish you well as you do all of that, and we will look forward to talking to you very soon as well. Yes, sir, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So, total confession, the interview you just heard with Jake Fromm was pre-recorded. This show is live. That interview was pre-recorded. This is probably the first time in Dog Nation history that I've remembered to wear the same shirt on the show of the pre-recorded part. Like, the other day, we did some vacation shows, and when I'm on vacation, I like to pre-record some shows, and I actually brought a shirt with me so the shirt would match the various parts of the show, and then I forgot to put it on. Continuity is not always our strong suit around here. We don't have a lot of pre-recorded elements of the show. Most everything is live, uh, as you can probably tell when I flub something. But nonetheless, uh, for this particular day, I'm actually wearing the same shirt on the show that I was when I recorded the interview with Jake Fromm. We'll call that a small victory here on the program today. We'll also get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, I am not supposed to say any of this, but I'm going to say some of it nonetheless. There are rumors afloat right now, and I use that pun intentionally, rumors afloat here of Dog Nation 2024 cruise information that's out there. I am not supposed to say that. Um, That is not supposed to be for public consumption, but it is floating out there. There are people talking. Some have said uh, that the Dog Nation cruise in 2024 could have details revealed soon, and it could be bigger and better than anything we've ever done before. I have no idea if it's true or not, but you can't help but notice that in the uh, online chatter, the trade papers, things like that. People are talking about what the Dog Nation cruise could look like in 2024 if there is a Dog Nation cruise in 2024. So I can't confirm it. I can't deny it, but I can't help but notice the chatter exists. So we'll give you more details in this space when we can. For now, though, here's what I can tell you. You can take your own fortunes into your hands and book your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And when you do so, I want you to trust my friend Jessica Slater, great travel agent. I continue to hear stories about folks that have done what I say to do is you've called Jessica Slater and you said, hey, B.A. told me to call you. I always appreciate when you do that, by the way, when you let folks know that, hey, I've been telling their story here on the show and you're kind of checking them out. I appreciate when you do that. Reach out to Jessica. uh, Tell her that I promised you that she'd do a good job for you, because listen, 
I've got a weekend cruise coming up here before the summer's done. Jessica helped book that for me and my family, so I've trusted her. And I love the fact that Royal Caribbean has kind of made it clear to me that, hey, we think the cruise vacation experience is made better when you use a great travel agent for it. That's just kind of the way they operate there on that. And so we said, well, who's a travel agent we should use? And our friends at Royal Caribbean said, well, how about Jessica Slater? She's right there in your area. She does a great job, books a lot of Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. So if you want that three-night stay, which I have coming up, you want that four-night stay, uh, you want one of those seven-night stays on an Oasis-class ship, or if you're thinking about January 2024 and the debut of Icon of the Seas, well, uh, you've got all those options available for you, and Jessica can help you out. So give her a call, 770-718-9147. That is 770-718-9147. She's got you uh, ready to go on all that today. And trust me, have a great time this summer on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation if you still got time to book one. Or think about fall 2023, or as I said before, early 2024. And stay tuned, perhaps, for maybe more news on a Dog Nation cruise coming up here very soon there as well. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I want to be fair and balanced here for a moment. Off the top of the show, because we are a Georgia show, We talked about the former UGA players on their way to the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. One of the former dogs I failed to mention was Guy McIntyre, who obviously was terrific with the uh, dogs, kind of earlier era than I was uh, around for, but went on to have a great career with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. McIntyre was a 49er, I believe. Anyway, I want to give some shout-outs here to some of the other SEC guys who uh, make this list. Uh, A lot of former SEC guys on here there as well you want to show some love to them Dion grant makes it out of josie high school you you gotta be honest here for a moment you know Dion out of that augusta area going to tennessee you know along with cozy coleman you know obviously along with jamal lewis those are guys that really helped tennessee win that national championship in 1998 it's painful to say that if you're a dog it is painful to say that good georgians going to tennessee such a difference maker for them but Dion grant obviously was had a great high school career Congratulations to him on his way to the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Keeping the uh, conversation going here, speaking of uh, of Georgians who went to Tennessee, mentioned Jamal Lewis, obviously went on to a great career with the Baltimore Ravens there as well. At a Douglas High School, he is on his way to the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. You uh, love to see that. Not an SEC player, but uh, Jeff Saturday, who actually uh, ran into the other day. Uh, my son went up to him, got a picture taken with him. Uh, Jeff, super nice to him. Uh, Jeff Saturday, who played at North Carolina, obviously long career with the Indianapolis Colts, and obviously in the news last year because briefly became Indianapolis Colts head coach uh, out of the Shamrock program, uh, which no longer exists, I don't guess. But uh, uh, Jeff Saturday on his way to the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. That's great to see. A handful of former Jackets on their way here, too, like Ken Swilling, Pat swilling uh eddie lee ivory so uh georgia tech kind of well represented all this there as well i love seeing dan reeves go in you know one of the things you want to do as i said before you want to go back and kind of acknowledge you know guys from previous eras acknowledge you know people know obviously dan reeves as a coach but dan reeves is a very good pro football player there as well terrific pro football player and that career for him got started as a player there at america's back in 1960 so uh it's a uh you know a posthumous obviously uh acknowledgement of reeves career here but well deserved uh for sure dan reeves on his way to the georgia high school football hall of fame love love seeing that fun collection of names we'll obviously be talking about a lot of these guys for a long time to come but what a great thing that is a great class in the georgia high school football hall of fame a lot of eras represented 
you love to see that. We talked about SEC scheduling a little earlier and kind of the ongoing debate and discussion about what the future SEC scheduling model is going to look like. Yesterday, we got some new information with the Big Ten schedules there as well, you know, making room for USC, UCLA coming into this league, maintaining a nine-game conference schedule. That's something the Big Ten has done. And the thing that um, got my attention is, so the SEC, we believe that if it were to stick at eight full-time, there'd be one protected permanent opponent for every team in the sec and if you go to nine conference games in the future the conventional wisdom for the sec is that each sec team would have three permanent opponents every single year making way to have you know rotational games that would put you playing every team in the league every two years and traveling to every stadium in the league every four years that's kind of the thought there the big 10 did something a little bit different yesterday which i thought was kind of interesting so the big 10's only got 11 protected games in other words it's not one permanent opponent for everyone or multiple permanent opponents for every opponent it's 11 games they feel like need to be played every year and like some of these are like you know like michigan's got two right they got michigan state and they've got ohio state but some teams don't have any so it's a really kind of an odd deal here where they want to make sure that usc always plays ucla they want to make sure michigan always plays ohio state that you know i guess minnesota plays wisconsin you know things like that but some teams don't have any and you know in some respects i guess this is a little bit of an unorthodox kind of outside the box thinking here to say we don't need to do this for everybody we only need to do this for the games that matter but to me, and maybe this is a very SEC homerish thing to say, I don't make any bones about the fact that I like SEC football better than the brand of college football played other places. But I'll tell you, if you want to understand the distinction between the SEC and the Big Ten, this is it right here. The fact that the Big Ten may be this big, lucrative league with a lot of you know big populations and big alumni bases and big bucks associated with all of that. But it's also a league in which a lot of teams just don't matter all that much. And a lot of games played in this conference just don't matter all that much. And it is not one of those things where, you know, everybody sort of has equal billing. Now, I'm not to say that the SEC is completely equal across the board, but if we made a list in the SEC of games that have to be played, there'd be a lot more than 11 of them. And it wouldn't just be like LSU playing Alabama or Georgia playing Florida. I mean, it'd be the Egg Bowl there as well, right? I mean, Mississippi has to play Mississippi State. And in terms of the overall pecking order of the SEC, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, not exactly near the top, but in terms of a game that really matters, these are smaller states than most of the Big Ten states, certainly smaller alumni base of the two schools, but you cannot have SEC football and not have the Egg Bowl. And that's an example of kind of an across-the-board value, kind of an across-the-board um, you know, worth that that a lot of the sec teams have that the big 10 teams just have a hard time matching at the very top of this league i don't mind telling you ohio state michigan's a very big deal even michigan michigan state and some of those rivalry games are a pretty big deal and bringing in usc and ucla kind of representing kind of a new era of kind of the upper tier of big 10 football as weird as that sounds to say la teams being the big 10 that's the way the future is going to be that's kind of a big deal a big deal no one can dispute that the top of the big 10 looks pretty good or at least relatively good but when you kind of get down to the middle tier or the bottom tier, you sort of realize a lot of these teams don't really play games of note at all. There's no game on so-and-so schedule that would be worthy of protecting year after year after year. That sort of speaks to the relative irrelevance or relative lack of worth that some of these Big Ten teams have. I can't help but notice that. I think it's fair to uh, point that out. Staying with kind of college uh, news here for a moment, I saw yesterday where Jack Swarbrick, 
the athletic director at Notre Dame is stepping down from his post. And the new athletic director is going to be some guy coming in from NBC Sports, whatever else. But, you know, Swarbrick steps away. I guess the only thing I have to offer by way of opinion on this, it kind of bothers me a little bit that, you know, Swarbrick was on the committee that recommended all the changes the college football playoff very instrumental and all that you know notre dame has kind of always had a seat at the table because of its uh, independent status and so therefore when you're having these committees oftentimes you have the sec commissioner the big 10 commissioner and whatever else and the notre dame athletic director which i don't necessarily have a problem with necessarily uh but the issue is is that Swarbrick becomes one of the, another one of these guys, a little bit like Kevin Warren was, the outgoing Big Ten commissioner, who sits at the table, makes a bunch of big decisions for the future of college athletics, and then he just sort of darts out the door. That you kind of like the idea of people having skin in the game, making a lot of the decisions for the future of college sports. For instance, look at Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, and maybe not every single thing that Sankey has done is necessarily perfect. But I think that Sankey makes a lot of decisions for the future of college sports as someone who kind of views his own future in college sports there as well. For one way or another, for better or worse, I think Sankey sort of thinks of himself as a little bit of a lifer here, someone that's going to stick around and be a part of the decisions that he's making right now. That's not what Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, wanted to do. He contributed to the maybe the largest upheaval that college sports has ever had the big 10 reaching way out west to bring in usc and ucla and pretty quickly after making that decision kevin warren's leaving college sports altogether now he works the chicago bears that's a bizarre thing to do and swarbrick you know retiring here so you can't fault him for that necessarily but once again he has been pretty outspoken and pretty instrumental in some of the big changes college sports has made and now he's not going to be a lot a part of college sports going forward there's a certain inequity there in terms of the voice you have in change but not sticking around to participate into the change you helped bring about not necessarily a bad thing but it is noticeable and something to be i guess aware of as you kind of move forward here uh, one more thing I'll mention, too, as a part of our SEC through a lot of SEC teams getting going as super regional action begins for college baseball. I love the sport. I think it's one of those sports the last few years I've probably started paying much closer attention to college baseball. It's just a lot of fun. So hopefully, hopefully if you get a chance, you'll watch some of that this weekend. Uh, I think it's going to be fun for you tonight you got south carolina and florida getting going there in gainesville you can see that on espn too and then tomorrow the super regional action across the sec gets going uh, in a much bigger way get alabama going to wake forest wake forest is actually the number one overall seed so bama going to wake forest tennessee has to go to southern miss boy i love this uh first of all tennessee baseball is probably the easiest team to root against the entire sport them or vanderbilt maybe uh these tennessee folks very very beside themselves but the fact they have to travel to hattiesburg for this super regional that's kind of fun uh, and then you get kentucky and lsu getting going tomorrow there as well so it's best two of three the winner of the super regionals move on to the uh college world series because of the sec on sec matchup a couple of those we are guaranteed of an sec team in the college world series again uh sec dominating this sport almost as much as they dominate football so we will see how that plays out this weekend and we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and before we wrap up today let me also reiterate one more time what i mentioned when jake Fromm was with us a moment ago you've got a few more days to take advantage of the opportunity to kind of enter for your chance to win on our celebrate american heroes event courtesy of traeger grills and kroger here's the deal someone's going to win an ironwood xl grill courtesy of traeger grills this is a two thousand dollar value 
and someone's going to also win a Kroger $500 gift card to go on with that. Here is how you enter for your chance to win. You simply go online and tell a story. You tell a story about an American hero in your life, not like Abraham Lincoln, but like, you know, someone from your family's past or someone in your community right now, that someone that's doing great things. And by telling that story, which involves uploading a photo or sharing a short video, by telling that story, that's your entry for your chance to win. And because of the great story that you tell and the American heroes we're celebrating right now, simply by doing that, by putting the picture in there, by putting the video in there, you get a chance to win this great collection of gifts from Traeger Grills, the Ironwood XL Grill, the Kroger $500 gift card. Now, many of you have already done this. If you haven't done it yet, you've been hearing me talk about it you've got between now and june 17th to do so so please go online dognation.com you can find out all the details with the contest there but the simple thing is nominate someone or should say tell someone's story which gives you a chance to win by telling the story you give your chance you give yourself a chance to win the ironwood grill courtesy of Traeger grills the 500 dollars gift card courtesy of kroger you could be a winner when you tell a great story there at dognation.com and you upload a picture and a short video to go along with that some more details at dognation.com and good luck winning our celebrate american heroes contest courtesy of Traeger grills and kroger right there online at dognation.com all right, so one of the things we talked about yesterday was a little bit of controversy around the, I guess, return of the EA Sports college football video game. Many of you excited about that, but there's a little bit of dispute about how much the player is going to get paid for being a part of the video, and we kind of had some of that discussion yesterday. One of the things that's always a little bit of a conversation starter, though, is what the cover of the video game might look like. I think we found out that recently Josh Allen's going to be in the cover of the Madden video game this year, first time ever a Buffalo Bill has been on the cover of that, and our good friend We Are Dog Nation on Twitter shared a couple of examples of what a NCAA 2024 EA Sports College Football video game might look like if they choose to go with a Georgia-themed cover. You got Stetson Bennett right there on the right side holding up the uh, telephone, mocking the uh, Tennessee fans. On the left side there, you've got Jalen Carter holding up an LSU quarterback. I'd say either one of those pretty good covers for the EA Sports College Football video game. We'll give out golden shoes there for that. As we close out the week, lousy stinking Gators. We hope South Carolina takes care of business against them in college baseball this weekend, and we know 141 days from right now, Georgia's going to take care of business in college football again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.